In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among men. <coughs> Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners. Now at the hour of our death. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise, never rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lady Guadalupe. Saint Joseph, Valentary, Saint Nation Loyola, all God's angels and saints, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good morning. man had a pretty serious problem and he didn't know how to cope with it so he was a practicing Catholic so he went to his spiritual director trying to discern the spirits and many, many of you have done the spiritual exercise it was a question of discerning the spirits so he sat down in front of the priest and said you know I Something's happening to me. I'm, I can't really discern it. But I, I think that I'm really, I think that I'm possessed by the devil. I think so. And the priest said, well, why? He said, because I, I, hear these, I hear these voices in my, in my head. And the priest said, well, what do you hear? Well, I hear these voices. I hear this. Do this. Do that. Hurry up. The priest said, you're not possessed by the devil, you're just married. (laughs) There was this man that had marriage problems so he decided to go with his friend to have a cup of coffee, talk about his marriage problems. And he said to his friend, you know, when I first got married, it was much different than 25 years ago. He said that um, when I got married, I'd come home from work and I'd open up the door and my dog would bark at me. I had a poodle, he'd be barking and barking. But my wife had a big smile and she would bring me my slippers. And the priest, and the, uh, he said to his friend, but what has happened is after 25 years that I arrive and what happens is I open up the door and my wife barks at me <laughs> and my dog brings me the slippers. His friends said, why are you complaining? You received the same service. (laughs) 
It's a catechism class in which they're asking the children, can you tell me where you can find the sacraments in the Bible? And the teacher said, okay, what about baptism? And one child said, well, Jesus said, baptize in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not that. What about confession? Well, confession, Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit and said, who sins you forgive, they're forgiven. Who sins you hold bind, they'll be held bound. Not that. How about the Eucharist? One little girl said, well, Jesus said, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood. Pretty bright class. So, well, what about, what about matrimony? What did Jesus say about holy matrimony? And uh, there was kind of a silence. And one little boy in the back said, I know what Jesus said. He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> So I have various literary degrees, one in English literature, one in philosophy, one in theology, and one in jokeology, no? <laughs> so before uh, launching into my talk, afterward I'll be selling the, my new book, which came out about two months ago. And it's the Compendium of Marian Devotion, so I'd like all of you to buy at least five copies, okay? <laughs> it's a good Christmas present, right? Okay, so my topic today is going to be on Mary. I'm going to talk on Mary, and this is a very Marian time. Very merry time. If you go to daily mass and you do the liturgy of the hours, December 8th we celebrate the feast day of the Immaculate Conception, which is the patroness of the United States as well as the Philippines. She's our patroness. Then the following day, which was yesterday, we celebrated Juan Diego. You cannot separate Juan Diego from Our Lady of Guadalupe. Today we celebrate the feast day of Our Lady of Loreto, which would be the Holy House. And if you've ever been in Italy, you go to northern Italy, you can actually see the Holy House of Loreto there in northern Italy, which according to tradition, the angels transported that house from... Nazareth to northern Italy. This is Our Lady of Loreto. Then on Monday we'll be celebrating, of course, we'll be celebrating Our Lady of Guadalupe. So it's a very Marian time, and I have a Marian book. So uh, what I'd like to try to do in the limited time I have at my disposal is I'd like to talk about Juan Diego, Our Lady Guadalupe, and the many blessings and miracles and lessons that we have from Our Lady of Guadalupe and Juan Diego. So let's, um, 
Let's go back to the year 1531. That's when it happened. Now let's, uh, let's follow in the footsteps of Juan Diego and see all the many beautiful lessons that we can glean from Juan Diego. The poor guy, he was, he was beatified in 1990 and then 2002. He had to wait about 450 years to be canonized. So, first thing he teaches us, patience. <laughs> patience. John Paul II, nine years. Pretty quick, huh? Nine years. Juan Diego, about 450. So, pray for patience. Juan Diego, we meet Juan Diego now, he's 57 years old. Okay, he's 57 years old, back about 450 years ago, when people would not live usually beyond 40, 45, 50, he's already 57. And Juan Diego is walking from where he lives with his uncle, Juan Bernardino. And he's walking to church. He's walking, according to calculations, about 14 miles. When was the last time you walked 14 miles? I did New Hampshire and the hills of New Hampshire a couple of years ago, but I came back with a lot of blisters, no? Most of us are probably not, probably not athletes being able to walk 14 miles, no? And it wasn't on a paved surface. He was walking through thorns and bristles and scorpions and it was a tough walk. Why would this man walk, walk 14 miles? For especially two reasons. If I were to tell you you had to walk from here to Whittier, about 14 miles. And I just told you you have to walk, you wouldn't do it. But if I told you if you walk those 14 miles, I would give you $14 billion, would you do it? Yeah. Uh, money speaks, huh? Teresa of Avila says, with God and money we can do a lot of things, huh? Yeah, you would do that for the big bucks. Okay, let's up it a notch. He was walking 14 miles because he wanted to go to church and to receive the Holy Eucharist. Is it worth the walk? Face it, no offense, but you're really spoiled here because you got 
so many priests, so many masses, and as a result of that, you don't appreciate the gift. And as the poet says, as the poet says, in the absence of the loved one, when a loved one appears, you appreciate the loved one all the more. So in the absence of the loved one, which is Christ, we appreciate him all the more. So what Juan Diego is saying also is never take, never take the Eucharist for granted. Amen? Never take the Eucharist and the Mass for granted. That is the greatest gift. Father Groeschel wrote the life of Father Hamilton, who celebrated one Mass and he died. It was worth it. Father Hamilton wrote a book on him. He was sick. He was able to celebrate one Mass and he died. If we are going to daily communion, we should be progressively growing in holiness. If not, there's something wrong, possibly, with the way we receive the Eucharist. Because the fault is not in the sacrament, the fault is in the recipient of the sacrament. Amen? Amen. Fault is not in the sacrament, but in the recipient of the sacrament. When we receive the Eucharist, we should receive the Eucharist if it, was the, if it were the first, the last, and the only. Amen? Amen? The plaque that you have in the convent of nuns. Praise men of God, celebrate the Mass as if it were your first Mass, your last Mass, and your only Mass. You should receive the Eucharist every time, even if it's daily. If it were your first, your last, and your only. Amen? Amen. That's a message. Another reason why Juan Diego was walking 14 miles was because of his desire for permanent formation. That He was baptized later in life, but still he recognized that he had to keep studying his Catholic faith. All of us should make a concerted effort to keep growing in the knowledge of our Catholic faith. Amen? On a human professional level, on a human professional level in the United States, if you are a doctor, a lawyer, a professor, an architect, an engineer, you have to constantly be in the process of studying and learning. Right? In this country, yes. What about us as Catholics? We should be in the constant state of formation. The older I get, the more I recognize how little I really know. Which is good. Because I have a greater hunger for the truth as I get older. 
The older I get, the more I recognize how, how little I really know, but the hunger I have for the truth is very good. So we should recognize the importance of a, of a process of permanent formation. We're studying our Catholic faith until we die. I can give a lot of examples. One of the examples I like to give, and it's a personal example, a few years ago, I went to visit my relatives, and I was uh, sitting at the table with my relatives and shooting the breeze, and one of my brothers said that he had to, he had to pass a test, and in about two and a half years, he'll be, he'll be, he's going to be about 70 years old, so he's not young. And he is uh, an orthopedic surgeon. One of those guys, no? So not only a doctor, but when you're a surgeon, a high-tech surgeon. For about 40 years. And he's a, a graduate from Dartmouth and Columbia. New California, those are the Ivy League schools, no? And he graduated, graduated summa cum laude, which means the cream of the crop, of the cream of the crop. Why on earth does this guy have to pass a test? Why? He's a surgeon. He's got to be, no pun intended, on the cutting edge of technology, huh? Surgeon cutting, cutting edge, no? So, shouldn't we be professional Catholics? Or should we be rinky-dink Catholics? Do you have in your home, welcome to the rinky-dink Catholic club? No. We should be articulate, educated, cogent, clear, convincing, Catholics and the way we speak, the way we act. So Juan Diego spent he spent long hours walking to and from the city of Mexico so he could receive the Eucharist and he could receive ongoing formation. Do all you possibly can so that you can know your faith, love your faith, and be willing to share your faith. Amen? John Paul II says that one of the best ways for us to grow in our faith is to share our faith with others. Amen? One of the best ways for us to grow in our faith is to share our faith with others. All right. So, Juan Diego... I'm just going to take one of the apparitions and I'd like to expound upon it. Juan Diego is heading toward the city of Mexico. There are actually four apparitions. You might call the fifth when Our Lady appears also to Juan Bernardino. So, Our Lady appears to him December 9th which happens to be his feast day, also December 9th in the afternoon, and she appears December 10th, that'd be the third apparition, 
She doesn't appear December 11th because Juan, Juan Diego is with Juan Bernardino, his uncle. Watch over him, his uncle. And then December 12th, December 12th is the famous apparition. So I'd like to expound upon the December 12th apparition. And I'd like to point out all the marvels or the miracles that have come about through the apparitions of Our Lady Guadalupe. Many miracles that have come about because of Our Lady Guadalupe. Okay, December 12th, Juan Diego is heading toward the city of Mexico. Okay? He's heading toward the city of Mexico because he wants to get a priest that can attend his dying uncle. So each of these things, I'd like to expound upon them in greater detail. If you know someone that is very sick and dying, try to provide that this person would be able to receive the last sacraments. The most important moment in our life, this is Catherine of Siena now, St. Catherine of Siena, is now and at the hour of our death. Those are the two most important moments. We only have now. Yesterday is gone Tomorrow is beyond our reach. Okay? So, yesterday is gone. Leave that in the infinite ocean of God's mercy. Tomorrow, we don't have. Tomorrow depends upon God's divine providence. So, living in the present moment is key. Therese calls it the sacrament of the present moment. But also the moment we die is, will determine our eternal destiny. That's why we be constantly preparing ourselves for the moment that we will die. That's why one of the best ways to prepare ourselves is by praying the Hail Mary and by praying the Rosary. Because every time you say the Hail Mary... You're saying, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So if you know someone that's sick, and very sick, trying to provide that person with the sacraments is one of the best things that you can possibly do for that person. Past couple months, uh, my mother's health was declining. In a month, my mother will be 92, so she's up in years. Her health was declining. Hey, I declining quick. I got in a plane and I traveled from LAX to New Hampshire to be with her. You know what I did? I heard a confession. I gave her the anointing of the sick. I gave her Holy Communion. I gave him the apostolic pardon. 
Then me and my brother, the doctor, we prayed the rosary and the chaplet of divine mercy. My mom said, I'm ready to go. Yeah? But God was not ready yet. Amen? What better way to be prepared to meet your maker than to have confession, anointing of the sick, the apostolic pardon, holy communion, two of her sons praying the rosary and the chapel of divine mercy? Not bad, huh? Having, having a priest as a friend is very good fire insurance, I would have to say. What do you think? Having a son as a priest is even better, huh? But I think that's one thing that Juan Diego teaches us. Is he was concerned with his uncle, his body, but especially his soul. We have a tendency to place the body above the soul. Material things above spiritual things. Temporal reality over eternal reality. The palpable over the mystical. That's the way we live in the United States. But we have to live out what Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else will be given you beside. Amen? Amen. Seek, seek first the kingdom. And his righteousness and everything else will be given you beside. So let's follow Juan Diego. He's getting up early. And one of the reasons why it's called in Spanish, Las Mañanitas, means early in the morning. So he's heading toward the city of Mexico early in the morning with the intention of getting the priest. So he's heading toward the city of Mexico. He's already met this woman three times. Now he's got a problem. If he goes the same way, he's going to bump into her and he's not going to find the priest. He's not going to get the priest. So he's got it all planned out. It's called Monte Tepeyac. Tepeyac. What he's going to do is he's going to try to go around the hill. So she'll come in this way. He'll go around the hill and be able to avoid her. Pretty smart, huh? He's sharp, isn't he? But what happens when he's going around the hill, what happens is she cuts him off. And he says, Oh, como amanecio. And he knows Spanish. Well, did you have a good night's rest? Yeah. That's what he asked this beautiful woman. And then she consoles him. These are the words that she says. Now I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it in, in Spanish, uh, just the first part of it, and then I'll translate it into English. She says, No te aflicas. No soy yo tu madre. Te tengo en el cruzar de los brazos. Estás siempre en mi sombra. 
estás en el hueco de mi regazo. So what I'd like to do, I'd like to take those are the first words of Our Lady Guadalupe, and I'd like to interpret I like to interpret those words just one word at a time, and th- th- this is going to be my talk. Those words of consolation, which I believe to be at the very center of the message of Our Lady, Fa- Our Lady of Guadalupe. Okay, so you ready? Okay, no te aflicas. If any of you know Spanish, it can be translated in, I'll, I'll translate it in two ways. No te aflicas literally means don't allow yourself to be afflicted. Okay, when I translate, I usually translate trying to convey the message. Another way interpreting interpreting that is don't worry. How many of you have ever worried in your life? Don't worry. Stop worrying. Don't worry. Don't worry. I think all of us should pray for the grace to avoid worrying. What is the opposite of worry? Jesus, I trust in you. I would say for most, most of you good people, I say you're probably your biggest problem is that you worry. You worry about the past. You worry about the present. You worry about the future. You worry about your children. You worry about your grandchildren. You worry about politics. You worry about economics. You worry about academics. You worry, you worry. Is that true or not? Hello? Is worrying going to resolve the problem? Stop worrying. I know you're saying easier said than done, Father Broom, okay? I'm not saying it's easy. But by worrying, we're not going to be resolving the problem. You worry, you're going to start to lose your hair. You're going to start to get gray hair. You're going to start to get ulcers. You know, physiologically, by worrying, you're not going to help yourself. But rather, you're just going to cause more and more problems. So that's one thing I'd like to lay on your, your heart right now. Praying for the grace by giving yourself to Mary. Because if you get my book and you do my course on Mary, you're giving yourself to Mary. Give yourself to Mary. If you're consecrated to Mary, then you belong to Mary. You belong to Mary, why worry? You're in her hands, you're in her heart. Trust Mary. Now, if that's not sufficient, Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Matthew chapter 6. It's in the the Sermon on the Mount. The heart of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, 
don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Then he says, look at the birds of the air. You've heard this? Look at the birds of the air, look at the lilies of the field. If God watches over them, will he not watch over us? Have you ever stopped a bird in flight and asked, are you flying to a psychologist right now? Are you flying to get a a prescription for a depression? I have never met a bird that has done that yet. Now look at, Jesus says, look at the lilies of the field. They neither spin nor sow, but even Solomon in all of his beautiful array is not as beautiful as the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that will be given you besides. So Mary is challenging all of us to have greater trust in her maternal love and protection. That's the first thing. Don't worry. Place your concerns, your cares, your worries, your fears. Place them in the hands and heart of Mary. Now many of you have consecrated yourself to Mary... For me, this is one of the key points of consecration to Mary, is giving Mary all we have, but especially our worries, our fears, our concerns, our anxieties, our struggles, our sufferings, our sicknesses. All these are part of living out our consecration to Mary. You hear me? Most of you are consecrated to Mary. Some of you have even used my book, okay? And the essence is, you're giving your whole self to Mary. Amen? Amen. Then she says, do not worry, am I not your mother? Am I not your mother? Okay. How many, how many mothers here? Okay, possibly the greatest virtue of a true mother is love. That you love your children, right? Hello? Some of you are saying, depends on the day, Father. Okay. (laughs) Sometimes I want to... No, I think you all love your mother. And your mother loves you. You love and you care for your children. Do you think Mary loves us and has concern for us? Okay, St. Augustine says this. St. Augustine says this. Put all the love of all the mothers, of all times, of all places, together. 
I repeat, put all the love of all the mothers, of all times, of all places together. Put it all together. That's a lot, isn't it? The love that the Blessed Virgin Mary has for you is much greater than all that love. That doesn't touch you, nothing will. And I'm not using hyperbole. What's hyperbole? Literary flair to accentuate a point. If you want to go to Webster, okay? (laughs) I'm not exaggerating, okay? But all the love of all the mothers, of all time together, the love that Mary has for you is much greater. That should give you a lot of consolation. Mary loves us, she, and she wants to protect us. I'll tell you a personal anecdote. Uh, I, was, I was maybe two or three years old, and there was a, a bully that was beating me up. This is back maybe about 1959, a long before many, some of you weren't even born yet, maybe, okay? Late 50s, huh? I'm betraying my age, huh? And this bully, I, I even remember his name. His name was Michael Edis. Michael Edis. Okay? He was beating me up, and uh, he was bullying me. So one day, it was uh, in the summer, and we had one of those little pools, And I was in the pool, and without being invited, guess who showed up? Michael Edis. It was not a, a pool party that invited Michael Edis to be my principal guest. No. My mom was in the kitchen. And Michael Edis took me my hair, and he, he did this. In the water... Talk about friendship, huh? I mean, he, he, was, he was going after me. And I cried out. And my mom ran in there and they saw, she saw Michael Edis. My mom, five feet tall, 99 pounds, one of those guys. She, she told me to get in the kitchen and all of a sudden I could hear this little kid. Oh, <laughs> He ran out of the pool crying home and he never came back again. (laughs) That was probably not politically correct, no? But I tell you, he never came back again. (laughs) He saw my mother, he took her off for the hills. And I think that's what the Blessed Virgin Mary will do for us. She can take care of the Michael Edises of the world, can't she? <laughs> she can take care of them. She can take care of them. She will protect us. She'll watch over us. She'll encourage us. She'll be our, our shield against the many enemies that surround it from within and from, and from without. 
So let's go through some of the other words. Am I not your mother? And then she says, Estás en el cruzar de mis brazos. What does that mean? Estás en el cruzar de mis brazos. You are in the crossing of my arms. What does that mean? You are in the crossing of my arms. It means, basically what it means, you are in my heart. So all these words that I apply to Juan Diego, I apply to all of you. That's right. Applying this to all of you. Mary wants you to find refuge in her immaculate heart. Amen? Amen. Mary wants you to find refuge in her immaculate heart. A few years ago, Mary Kreese wrote a book. The name of the book is The Marian Option. To understand the Marian option, you have to understand what's called the Benedictine option. The Benedictine. What is the Benedictine option? St. Benedict was studying in Rome and it was corrupt. What did Benedict do? He fled from Rome. Seeking refuge. If you've ever been to Europe, he went to what is called Subiaco. And from Subiaco, he went to Monte Cassino. It has nothing to do with the Casino of Wine Gardens, okay? <laughs> They're not brothers or sisters, huh? And there, in Monte Cassino, he became the father of Western monasticism. The founder of Eastern monasticism is a man, his name is Anthony of the Desert. Okay? He's the founder of Western monasticism. Western monastic life. What did he do? He sought refuge in silence, prayer, penance, contemplation. Basically, he was seeking for refuge in God. And what this author has pointed out is a beautiful parallel. There is the Benedictine option but there is the marrying option. We have to find refuge in Mary. Amen? We have to find refuge in Mary. If you went to Mass 
on the feast day of the Immaculate Conception, you had a biblical two standards. Do you remember the readings, any of you? You have Genesis 3.15, Luke 1.26-38. It's a biblical two standards. Genesis 3, you have Eve, the serpent, Eve's disobedience, Eve's rejection of God. Luke 1, you have the second Eve. The second Eve is Mary. And Mary did the exact opposite. Mary obeyed God. Mary was humble. Mary was the servant of God. Eve said no. Mary said yes. And Eve ate from the forbidden fruit. We're called to eat from the fruit of the womb of Mary. We say, blessed art you among women, and bless the fruit of your womb. What is the fruit of Mary? It's Christmas. It's Jesus Christ. Where do we find the fruit of the womb of Mary? In the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. We're going to be celebrating in about ten minutes. My friends, the devil has a stronghold. The devil has a stronghold in three areas in our country. And John Paul II calls it the institutionalization of sin. Do you know what that means? It's not a separate, isolated sin. The institutionalization of sin is that the devil has a stronghold in these key structures in our country. Can I mention them? Especially three. In the social media. We call it pornography, right? The devil has a stronghold there. There's a stronghold there, which is gripping and enslaving millions of people. The devil has a stronghold there. The second would be obviously in politics, okay? No brainer, okay? Where Catholic political figures are promoting abortion and they call themselves Catholics. How terrible. Call yourself a Catholic and to be promoting innocent babies. That's a terrible, terrible scandal. And the third stronghold of the devil is in academics. In academics. What I'm talking about in modern education. Those are the three strongholds of the devil today. The social media, the political arena, and academics. How sharp the devil is getting the stronghold of the three primary structures of the social milieu in which we live. So in these very difficult times, we have to find refuge in 
the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Our Lady of Fatima said, In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. You've heard that. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. Myself as a priest, myself as an oblate, I will do all I possibly can until I die. Until I die, all I possibly can until I die to get everyone to get to know Mary, love Mary, follow Mary, imitate Mary, and die in the loving heart of Mary. That will be my purpose as an oblate until the end of my life. Because we're going through tough times. In the time of Noah, book of Genesis, the time of Noah, those were very ugly times. God told Noah to build an ark. He built this huge ark. According to the experts, about the size of a football field about the size of a football field. Noah started to bring the animals into the ark. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. And Noah said that God is going to send a deluge. The people laughed at Noah. He was a laughing stock of time. They mocked him. They sneered at him. They derided him. What do you mean? He's not a cloud in the sky. So as soon as Noah got in the oak in the ark with his wife, with his daughters, with his son-in-law, and with the last animal, the door was closed, and the skies became dark, and it rained and rained and rained and rained for a week and two weeks and three weeks and 40 days and all those on the face of the earth were destroyed. Why? Because they were not in the Ark of Noah. The modern Ark of Noah is the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Amen? So I pray that all of you with your children will find refuge in two places. The Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus. May God bless all of you and bring you safely home through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Amen.